This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Missanelli podcast. How are we doing today? It's a Tuesday, it's a little gray outside. Uh, and we're due for a big rainstorm, which is going to uh, bring flooding. So uh, stay inside and make sure your house is, will stay afloat. Um, the Mike Maselli podcast is brought to us by Bet Rivers. And we intentionally wanted a couple of days to go by to process what happened on Sunday with the Philadelphia Eagles. Because we know the town is in an uproar right now. And we're going to try to get through this little by little without the the overall angry emotion that uh, all Eagle followers felt on a Sunday night. Uh, So um, let's face it. This is the biggest mess that we've seen with the Eagles in a a lot of days. Uh, And uh, it's hard to believe what has happened, that this team once 10 and one could just fall off the cliff with a variety of, of maladies that have forced them into this situation as they find themselves now going into a playoff week. And uh, frankly, we don't know what's going to happen in this playoff game. You know, the, the, the upside of it is it, it's the playoffs and it, and it brings new life and, and maybe they can find a way to rally and play a lot better than they played and maybe win a playoff game or uh, if, if the playoffs shake the right way, maybe even win two uh, playoff games. The other point of it is that they're done that they're cooked. They have come apart at the seams. There is no way they can get it back together this quickly. Um, so let's just examine here. Um, this was a team that was once 10 and one. So it, it, it's a collapse of ep- epic proportions. The last five of their six were losses. Now you would have to go back to 1986 to find a team that started 10 and one and only wound up with 11 wins. So this is historical. It's a historical collapse. And I know, like these old school Philadelphia fans that are in town, they go back to the one year, the 1964 Phillies collapse. Is it like that? It's sort of like that. I mean, when you think about where this team was and where they are now, the collapse is hard to believe. So uh, let's uh, let's see where we are right now. And and then we'll kind of go backwards. All right. The Eagles are now the fifth seed in the playoffs, which means they will have to go to Tampa Bay. And the game is scheduled for Monday night uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, here's the way I look at this without, and you know that I am not a homer by any stretch of the imagination. I think Tampa Bay stinks. And as evidence of their stink, in a must-win game, they they didn't score a touchdown against the worst team in the league. And, and they won nine to nothing. And an answer to Gabe, the TV, their interview with Baker Mayfield, like he was the conquering Roman gladiator. They won nine to nothing. They stink. So when, when I look at a team like this, it, I look at the Eagles discombobulated. I look at the team they're going to play, 
and I always go with the better roster. The better roster is the Eagles. So I actually think the Eagles are going to win this game. It doesn't mean anything in the overall scope of things that they're going to win the game because if they have to play the 49ers, they're going to get housed. But I do believe that their talent level and, and the fact that the mental mindset has to be different because it's the playoffs are going to make the Eagles play a little better in this game and win the game. They've got a lot of people coming back in this game. Uh, their, their offensive sets will, will be complete. DeAndre Swift will be back. A.J. Brown will play. Devontae Smith will play. And, and I just think that overall the quality on their roster is going to be better than what Tampa Bay is going to present. Now, I could be wrong, and this team could be completely done. And if they're done, then there's going to be hell to play, which we will discuss in a second. So uh, right now, as we look at the rest of the playoffs, let's look at the NFC. San Francisco, even though they lost the last game, didn't matter. They are the number one seed. The two, the Cowboys, will host the Packers. The Lions at the three seed will host the Rams and the Bucks and the Eagles. Now, in the second round, here's what could happen that's most favorable. The Rams could upset the Lions. And if the Rams upset the Lions and the Eagles win, the Eagles would not have to face San Francisco in the second round. Best case, that's the best I could do for you here, right? But the way it's probably going to shake out is that the, the 49ers will play the Eagles in the second round because the Detroit Lions are stronger than the Rams. And, and you know, this this uh, subplot of Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit isn't going to be enough for the Rams to win that game. So the second round is most likely going to be the Lions would have to go to the Cowboys and the Eagles would have to go to San Francisco. In the AFC, the Ravens are sitting there laughing at everybody. They're waiting for everybody else to beat each other up. The Bills with a tremendous rally over the second half of the season and a great win over Miami in the last game of the year are the two seed. They would host the Steelers. The Chiefs at the three seed would have to host the Dolphins and then the Texans and the Browns. Who cares? Uh, so uh, your winners, I believe, projected will be the uh, Bills, and they would then have to go to the Texans if the Texans beat the Browns, which I think they will because they have a home game. And then the Dolphins would have to go to the Ravens and uh, sayonara for the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins upset the Chiefs. Uh, now, if, the, if it goes to chalk, obviously the Chiefs are in there. The Dolphins are not in there. That changes the whole landscape. But that's the way I see the playoffs. Not that it really matters because what we know is that the Philadelphia Eagles don't have any future in this playoff. So how did we get here, folks? All right, let, let's look at how we get here. Let's start with Sunday's game. And I watched the game, and uh, I was stunned at what I was seeing. Um, I... If I didn't know any better, and maybe I don't know any better, it sure looked like the Eagles have quit on their season. When you look at the effort they put into that game, they were demolished. They were dominated by an inferior Giants team. Now, there's two ways of looking at that. Number one is you go, okay, well, why did they play their starters? It was very unlikely that uh, they were going to get that a higher seat anyway because the Cowboys going to beat the Commanders. However, when the game started, that was still in question. The, the commanders were hanging with Dallas, and the Eagles still gave up. So maybe in their minds, this Eagle team, because they're mentally weak at this point, maybe they thought, well, listen, 
there's no reason for us to go out and spill our bucket because it's not going to matter anyway. The Cowboys are going to win. And they took that mindset into the game. And when you take a mindset like that into the game, you have no chance to beat the other team, no matter how bad the other team is, because the other team is playing hard. It's their last game. They're going to play hard. They want to have some pride. They want to get out of there with a W and make themselves feel good in the offseason. Their season's over. So um, they, they got pulled apart like a dog toy in this game. And, and uh, they, they're a team that has fallen and can't get up. I'm going to use every cliche I can here. Um, and, and that the season is fatally over or the playoffs can refresh them and, uh, in mind and spirit. So we'll see if they have anything left. I was looking at that game that Sirianni pulled the starters by the end of the second half. And I originally looked at this game as they need to get it together in this game. They need to play their starters because they're so low down. They need some momentum. They need to feel good about their offensive attack and what they're doing on defense in the scheme. They needed to play well to convince themselves that they were a good game. And they didn't. They did the exact opposite. And Sirianni waved the white flag. And at the time he waved the white flag at the two-minute warning of the first half, I'm thinking, you're letting them off the hook. You've let your team off the hook. You need to send them back in the second half and say, we got to get a couple drives going. we got to find ourselves. we got to get a little roll here to get some confidence. If we're going to lose this game, let's go down with some momentum. And they didn't do that. The head coach gave in just like the players gave in. Um, so, uh, let's, let's, let's look at this, this whole situation here. Um, either the players didn't look at this game as important to them, uh, or there was, um, no motivation that Sirianni can give them at this point, which means they have quit on the coach. And if they've quit on the coach, they have absolutely no chance to win a game next Monday night. Here's the situation now when we do the autopsy of this team and how they got here. It started out with the San Francisco 49ers taking their heart in that regular season game. It then went to the Dallas Cowboys taking that heart and putting it in a crusher. And from that point on, you saw the hits they kept coming. The ridiculous change of defensive coordinator, which, which put a, a, a doubt in the air in that locker room to give the team the uh-oh moment. Oh, my God, we must really be in desperate shape if they're going to do a desperate move like that. That puts doubt in the players' minds. Now, however that came down, and I believe it was a Lori edict, and until somebody proves me otherwise, that's what I'm going to say, that Sirianni was merely a puppet because I've seen this before with Jeffrey Lurie when he did it with Mike Groh and Doug Peterson. I believe that this coach was ordered to change defensive coordinators in a panic move. So, but, but if it's not that, Sirianni has no clue what he's doing. So I'm almost giving the head coach the benefit of the doubt that this was an owner call and it wasn't him because he can't possibly be that stupid to introduce that kind of doubt at the end of a season to change a defensive coordinator and think that that was going to just go smoothly. Then we had A.J. Brown going rogue. There are a lot of people out here who believe that A.J. Brown had the right to do whatever he wanted to do because he's a star player. So I asked those people this question. What good does that do? 
And I have to laugh at the people that say, well, you have to listen to what AJ said. AJ didn't want to say anything negative and, uh, uh, because he didn't have anything good to say. Don't you think that puts out the same message? If you make an overt attempt not to talk, that you're going, giving the same message to your locker room? The locker room's going, oh, my God, there's AJ. He's got the red ass. Oh, man, we must really be in trouble. It's the same effect. So did that help? No, it didn't help. And then well, we move on to what the veteran leadership in, the, in this locker room is. You would think that with guys like Brandon Graham and guys like Fletcher Cox and some veteran players like Kelsey and Lane Johnson, that they would have enough veteran leadership to keep this thing together. Guess what? They don't because those leaders had no effect in the locker room to bring this team back together. And then finally we get to Sirianni. I've been ambivalent on Sirianni. Now, he's a guy that was the coach of a team that got to the Super Bowl last year. But he really has never convinced me he's that great of a coach. So I'm, I'm laying in wait this whole time to see what kind of a coach he is. And I kind of found out this year. He doesn't have the chops to pull this team, which is in turmoil, out of turmoil. And if you're a coach who can't pull your team out of turmoil, then you're not a very good head coach. And that's where we stand right now. So what is the future of this head coach? Well, it's a no-brainer if they lose to Tampa Bay. There's no question in my mind that he gets zipped. And the whole staffs get zipped. However, here's the other side of that. Jeffrey Lurie, when he finds a coach that nobody has heard of, is introducing the concept that he's smarter than everybody else. That he discovered oil on the Little League field in Delco. And, and, and the world should take note because he's a smart son of a gun. He found Andy Reid when nobody thought about Andy Reid. They didn't know if he was Andy Reid or Donna Reid. And so this is the Sirianni, the next shiny new toy that Lori found. And if he goes back on that, people are going to think Lori doesn't know what he's doing. That's the only possible thing that I can see saving Sirianni, that Lori doesn't want to zip him too soon because it makes him kind of look ridiculous. So let's go a step further. I believe the following will happen. Sirianni saves his job by beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's not going to be a, a, a landmark victory. If they beat the Bucs, they're going to skate by. But would that be enough to save his job? I believe it would be. Because if you're realistic, even if you get bounced by the 49ers the following week, you know you're not as good as the 49ers anyway. So what's the point of firing Sirianni after he delivered you a playoff win? What Lori would then do, and I'm sure as I'm sitting here, guaranteed that he would demand that Sirianni bring in an entirely new offensive and defensive coaching staff. And most of it would be from Lori and, and, and uh, Roseman's research that they have found the next shiny toy to be defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator. And at that point, Sirianni's got a choice. Either accept those terms or get down the road. Now, what do you think Sirianni's going to do? He's a young head coach. These jobs are coveted. You think he's going to say, ah, Fanabola, to Jeff Lurie? He's going to take the job under those circumstances. So there you go. Let me review. Eagles beat Tampa Bay, save Sirianni's job. Lurie picks his staff. Sirianni goes along with it and accepts it. And we proceed next year with some tinkering 
and we'll see where the Eagles go from that point on. All right. There are names that people float around all the time. Like Wink Martindale is the next guy. Well, you bring him in defense coordinator because he blitzes. I don't think that's going to happen. He's too well-known for Lori. Bring in Frank Reich. The people that keep mentioning Frank Reich, I I would love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you. What on earth has Frank Reich done in this league to be considered to be brought back? This guy's got a Teflon ass. He has failed now with two head coaching jobs. What is so special about Frank Reich? I listen, all due respect, Frank, you haven't had enough accomplishment in this league to be considered. You got to go completely in a new direction. All right? Game analysis versus the Bucs. What have defensive coordinators done to the Philadelphia Eagles lately to make them sputter? You saw it against the Giants. Wink Martindale blitzed 84% of the time. When they blitzed Jalen Hurts, he has become befuddled. And the offensive scheme isn't sophisticated enough to combat heavy blitzes. Why? I don't know. It seems like every other offensive coordinator can see, hey, they're blitzing, hot receiver, tight end. Do something. When the other team blitzes, Jalen Hurts immediately goes into a shell. And it's not that difficult. And so Todd Bowles, who is the third highest blitz rate defensive coordinator slash head coach in the league, is going to do what on Monday night? He is going to blitz the crap out of the Eagles. And we'll see. Like, I would like to call uh, them right now. Hey, hey, guys, listen, I don't, I don't know if you heard. I don't know if you heard, but, but uh, uh, Todd Bowles, he's going to blitz. They're going, oh, really, Mike? I'm glad you called because uh, it's Tuesday. We would like to put our defensive game plan. Is that what he's going to do? Yeah, that, 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 uh, this is how the little faith I have in the Eagles to adapt, that I would have to call him and say, guess what? Todd Bowles is going to blitz, fellas. All right. I got it out of my system. I hope that wasn't too emotional for everybody. Let me bring in producer Darren. Darren, you just heard my diatribe. Your thoughts. Well, the first thing I'll tell you is, um, the first thing I'll tell you is the Wink Martindale. Um, is first of all, is he was he let go? That I missed that yesterday. Was he fired? Yes. Okay, I missed that. He he decided to okay, move. Okay, he's moving on. So you 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 think that Laurie wouldn't go for a veteran defensive coordinator? He has noted to be in love with Vic Fangio and Fangio's style. So I don't know that it, Martindale would scare him necessarily. I do think you're no, right. it's not. Martindale doesn't do a Fangio style. Martin Mar, Martindale is an uh, over. Oh, I know. I get that. I'm just Fangio talking about a veteran presence. Uh, yeah, I I don't believe he will bring in a big name guy. I think you're probably right. I think uh, I like Nick Sirianni. I really do. I like that he delegates as a head coach. I I like that he's not very like over particular one side of the ball. Um, but he's in a bad spot. He just is. We've talked about the meddling owner and the general manager that thinks he's Newt Rockney. Uh, they are going, like you said, to have a heavy hand in who the new coordinators are going to be. And rest assured, they were going to have new coordinators. They're probably going to have a lot of new assistant coaches as well. Um, I'm not, I, I'm not, do not think they're going to be Tampa Bay. Um, I have said for the past few weeks that they're one and done. I know they're getting some personnel back. 
Uh, Slay is back. You know, they'll have a bunch of guys that have been injured coming off and guys that they rested last week back. I get all that. They're not beating anybody right now. And, and, and you know what? It probably is the head coach's issue right now because he has lost control of the sideline in front of our eyes. He's lost control of the locker room, I think. But it is really difficult, man, to fire a head coach. It's happened, but it's really difficult to fire a head coach a year after he went to the Super Bowl. And if you don't think that's weighing on the decision, I'm telling you, I promise you it is. Now, it also helps Nick, like you said, that Lurie plucked him off the, you know, the green tree, as we say, right? So he knows with Nick, he's going to have a big say and big hand in on who his coordinators are going to be. So I think for that, those reasons alone, Nick keeps his job win or lose Monday night. And what a crappy game Monday, Monday night for a playoff game. My God. Uh, so, yeah, I think he sticks around. Um, the locker room bothers me. It really bothers me. You're right. AJ, AJ Brown should keep his mouth. He just comes out, play the company line, and move on. You say so much more when you say, quote, unquote, my mother taught me not to say anything negative, so I won't say anything at all. That's That's 10 times worse than him coming out and saying something negative. It's worse. So, you know, and there's a couple, you know, Kelsey's out there saying the company line. I get it. Brandon Graham saying the company line. Lane Johnson saying the company line. These guys are veterans. They've been there, for, you know, forever. They, they were at for a Super They played in a Super Bowl. Butcher Cox saying, saying the company line. That's fine. I get it. What else are they going to say? I had somebody go, Dallas Goddard, how could he say all that stuff that they're, they're ready and they're, they're going to put? What do you want him to say? What do fans want these players to say? These guys want jobs next year. I'm, you know, even the reti- the ones who are considering retirement, they want that option of a job. The locker room is crap right now, though. It really is. Um, they're fighting on the sidelines. I hate seeing that stuff. But I think Nick, at the end of the day, I think he's going to keep his job. Yeah, I, I gonna, uh, absolutely be, do not. He'll think have some he's say. Keep his job if they yeah. lose to Tampa Bay, and there's not. A, this is a, a historic collapse. You can't bring a guy back who has been the, the the overseer of a historic collapse. So Lurie would have to bite the bullet. Yeah. I, I get it. It wouldn't make him look good to bite the bullet for two reasons. Number one, this was his hand-picked guy. Number two, uh, yeah, he did go to the Super Bowl. But you can't justify bringing a guy back who would have lost six of his last seven games, including a playoff game to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You just can't. There would be too much heat on the guy to bring him back for next year because nobody would believe in him. The, the, the fans, and more importantly, the team. And, and so if, if you gut him by demanding that he bring in whole new staffs, you, you've kind of neutered him anyway. So what would be the point? Uh, but if they win, I, I believe... Well, you said it earlier. He's going to keep... He's not going to walk away if they if they say that to him. He's going to say, I'll, I'll keep the job because there's only 30. Well, what I'm saying is world. that if you're Lurie, you can't even put him in that situation if they lose this game because nobody will believe it. But if you're Lurie, don't you already know that you put him in that position by hiring no, these guys? You, you, as didn't, you never thought you put him in a position where he would blow a season. Where, where he would lose control of his team, where he would lose six of his last seven games. Those are circumstances that that are that push it over the top that you can't ignore. 
that you hardly didn't expect. If you were to say to Lori, hey, listen, uh, your guy that you picked is going to be 10 and one and blow a season and have a locker room uh, revolt. Uh, are you, are you, are you okay with that? What would he say? Of course not. I'm not okay with it. So what would make it okay now if he does it? It's just not going to happen. Now, just, again, yeah. you don't think they're going to beat the Buccaneers. I do believe they're going to beat the Buccaneers because I think the Buccaneers stink. I'm reading, I'm reading some tweets every week. That the Buccaneers are going to win because they have heart. Where the frick do they have heart? They were nine and eight, and in a must-win situation, they won nine to nothing with their quarterback thrown for 115 yards. What are you kidding me? That's not a good team. They're going to win. You already said why they're going to win. The quarterback is going to struggle. Wait, wait, what? The other quarterback's not going to struggle? The The other quarterback stinks. What? What's he going to struggle against? He's struggling against the Carolina Panthers. He threw for 115 yards against the Panthers last week. This line can't get home. What's he worried about? He's going to have all day in the pocket if he wants. This is a ridiculous conversation because you're giving credit to Baker Mayfield. Like, like, where on earth does this come from? (laughs) I know. You're right. Baker Mayfield all of a sudden. Like, they're they're playing Aaron Rodgers, who I'll get to later in this show, by the way. Oh, yeah, we'll get Aaron Rodgers later. I do believe, and I'm the last, I see this team is broken apart. And if they're playing a better team, I go, they have no chance to win. They're playing a team that barely survived their division and won nine to nothing last week. Come on, I, I see, I see, I see your point about Baker. I'm, you see what you made me do? You made look at you go, if, if see, he, you made me listen, do. the Eagles defense stinks. The Panthers are the worst freaking team in the league, and he struggled against them. All right, I agree. They're also playing for their lives. Uh, anyway, we discussed all the ramifications, and it'll be interesting to see what the result will be again. They win. I think Sirianni's saved, and there'll be a different staff that he has to uh, coach with next year. If he loses, I don't think there is any way that you can justify bringing him back, and I know Lori probably feels the same way. All right. That is the Philadelphia Eagles report for today. Since we haven't been with you in a while, uh, and hopefully everybody enjoyed the Rob Thompson interview we did last week, it's now time for Mike Unleashed on the Mike Masnelli podcast brought to us by Bet Rivers, and by the way, I used my Bet Rivers app last night to take the Michigan Wolverines for a W. Well, let's start, Mike Unleashed, with the Flyers. And we haven't talked about the Flyers very much on the Mike Masnelli podcast, but let's introduce the curious case of Cutter Gauthier. He was the Flyers' first-round draft pick, I believe five overall in 2022. And they traded him yesterday for a young defenseman in the Anaheim Ducks named Jamie Drysdale, who was also a high draft pick for the Ducks a couple of years ago. Now, Cutter Gauthier was supposed to be one of those foundation pieces that was going to rebuild the Flyers. He's a dazzling player. He plays for Boston College. For some reason, when they drafted him, he said he was excited to be a Flyer. And then months later, that changed. It changed to the point where he wouldn't even talk to the Flyers. Danny Briere, Keith Jones would call. He wouldn't take the call. And he flat out refused to play for the Philadelphia Flyers. After months of them trying to to get involved with him, to try to uh, absolve all his fears about being with the Flyers, he would not speak to them. 
So they bit the bullet and they traded him. Now, what could be at stake here? Because this is the second coming of J.D. Drew. For the people that remember J.D. Drew, Florida State was picked with the first pick in the draft by the Phillies, refused to play in Philadelphia. Wound up a whole year later, they wound up trading him to the St. Louis Cardinals where he had a decent career. So Cutter Gauthier does not want to play in Philadelphia. Why? Is he afraid of playing in Philadelphia? The Flyer fan base is a very loyal fan base. Now, they are rock bottom as a franchise, and maybe he didn't want to go through that kind of a rebuilding process. Or here's the biggest theory. He didn't want to play for John Tortorella, who is a taskmaster and a crazy man whose reputation precedes him. Now, as we go inside this story, Tortorella had a problem with Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes is a Boston College guy. Kevin Hayes, the theory is, got in Gauthier's ear and said, you don't want to play for this man. He will ruin you. And maybe that's what soiled the whole thing. Darren, your thoughts on Cutter Gauthier, the Flyers version of J.D. Drew. Two words, Mike. Grow up. Grow up. Grow a pair and grow up. You can't take the heat in Philadelphia. Really? The Philly media scares you. The Philly fans scare you. Come on, dude. Weak. Really weak, man. If that's the case, it's a weak dude. I don't want him on the team. Oh, you don't really? want him on the team? If he's that weak-hearted, oh, do you? Okay. Well, he doesn't want to be a flyer. We're weak better minded? off without him? No, he's weak. a weak-minded individual doesn't want to play for the team that drafts him. That's okay, uh, I always believe that you call a player's bluff. And I don't believe you give in to a player. I think eventually you figure out a way where he's gonna. you can convince him uh, you just have to wait it out. I don't think it does the Flyers any good to try to salvage. We've seen that before where it doesn't work. Now, he's going to go to Anaheim, and he's probably going to be an impact player. The Flyers need impact players right now. So I would not have pulled the cord on this kid, and I would not have got involved in the macho thinking, well, if he doesn't want to play here, then screw him. Because this is you have left yourself in a dire situation to the point where you need now these building blocks to resuscitate your franchise. And if you're going to play the old flyer, I'm a bully. If you don't want to play here, get out. That's the wrong mindset. These kids sometimes have the edge on you. And at that point, you got to admit that they have the edge on you, and you just wait it out further because the kid wants to play professional hockey. His options are to wait two more years before he plays professional hockey so he can be free of this or to start making a paycheck right now. And I would have called the kids bluff. But the Flyers did what they did, and now they are down a core piece. Then we'll see how that works out. All right, let me move on to number two of Mike Unleashed. Tiger, no more Nike. Oh, the iconic Tiger Nike brand is no more. Now, Nike is really having some financial problems right now. I don't know. Maybe they wanted to get free of that zillion-dollar contract they give him every year. But, oh, my God, folks, we're going to be without Tiger wearing the red golf shirt on Sunday with the Nike swoosh. How can I, how can I go on? I can't go on. Now, maybe Tiger will even change colors. And switch it up and not wear red on Sundays as his trademark. That always bothered me, buddy. He's never switching up the red. 
You know that. You know deep down he's never switched. Such a cliche now. It's a cliche. He wears red on Sunday. He's no longer Tiger Woods. Wear green. Wear blue. Who are we talking about? Tiger. Tiger, There's no bigger Tiger Woods fan on the planet than Tiger Woods. He's wearing the red. (laughs) Bet your ass. Hey, by the way, and he's not he's not he's not on the tour, really. He's a huge investment for Nike. It makes sense financially at this point. They made him enough money. He's made them enough money. All right. So they move on. He's wearing foot joy shoes now. I don't know what kind of shirts he's going to wear. He's got the Tiger Woods. I have foot joy golf shoes. Do you? Uh, I have. uh, Right now I have the uh, Adidas and I have a Nike. There you go. I don't have a foot joy. Of course you have two pair. Yeah, <laughs> well, I have three actually. But, but of course you do. <laughs> depending on how I feel, you know. Yeah, you know, it's got to change up. Can't wear the same shoes every week. Yeah, God forbid. Right. <laughs> All right. Number three is Draymond Green. He is now off suspension. I think the suspension lasted twelve games. All of a sudden, folks, Draymond Green. Like he's Jesus on the cross, is now lamenting his story, a tale of woe that he got suspended and he had a conversation with NBA commissioner Adam Silver, and he said the following Adam, this is just too much for me. It's all becoming too much for me, and I'm going to retire. So retire. Wait, it's all, what's becoming too much for you? You have been through how many suspensions? You swatted a guy in the face, your own teammate. You choked a guy out this year. And then finally, you whapped a a, a poor center from the Portland Trailblazers and felled him to the ground. Where are you not at fault? What is too much? Stop the renegade behavior. That's what's too much. And if I'm Adam Silver, I would have said this. Hey, you know, uh, yeah, if you had to retire, you had to retire. I know, can I tell you? I mean, listen, you've been good for the league, and, uh, you know, hey, nice, have a nice life. Call his bluff. You kiss his ass. You don't want him to retire? Blah, 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 blah. What, what, what are we doing here with sports? All right, let's move on. Number four, oh, this hurts me to say, but Michigan won the national title last night, and they won the title because they were bigger and badder than any team in college football. And you can say whatever you want to say about their cheating ways. You know, the cheating ways did not prevent them from winning all these high-profile games down the stretch. You still had to go out and play that game. You still had to go out and win. And that scandal was called on. So you didn't have the benefit of that guy scouting other teams. And they went out there, and they demolished a really good Washington team. And I had to bet them. I hate to bet Michigan. I hate to bet Ohio State. I loathe those two programs in the Big Ten, basically because I'm jealous. But I took Michigan last night. They ran the table. They are badass, and they deserve some congratulations. And Jim Harbaugh does too. And this is the perfect note for Jim Harbaugh to go out on and coach an NFL team like the Los Angeles Chargers, where uh, that's where I think he he will end up. And then escape the guillotine of the NCAA. So whoever, whoever takes that job is going to have to take it with, with uh, all this hard, hardball nonsense weighing on them, uh, and there'll probably be a suspension or a ball game or whatever it is. But 
congratulations to the Michigan Wolverines. Not only do they play it, but badass. They look badass. Their uniforms look badass. Their helmets look badass. That quarterback's a good player. They're a good team, and I marvel at them, and I envy them. Darren? Could not possibly agree more. Uh, they were the best defensive football team uh, in the top 25 this year. They just took apart Washington last night. Um, you know, I, I I wonder if that hurts. I don't know if Penix is a day one drafty, but does that hurt his draft status at all? I'm not really sure. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, Michigan is just – they were just so deep defensively running the ball. I, I'm always a Big Ten guy because I just think you see more pro sets in the Big Ten. These guys come in really prepared. It's SEC, obviously, but other than them, uh, the conference for me is the Big Ten. So, yeah, Michigan was really impressive. Harbaugh is, was impressive. All right. Now, interesting enough, uh, I love to look at the telecast of games like that. And I saw the telecast last night, and they shot up to a, a, a celebrity suite last night. Uh, now, uh, I have known Stephen A. Smith for a really long time. Uh, Stephen A., a lot of people think that he just grew off a tree and became a superstar. Well, he started out as a newspaper man, just like I did. And in fact, was a newspaper uh, writer and covered the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer before he moved on to be a columnist. I'm watching the telecast last night. They shoot up to this celebrity suite. Who's in the celebrity suite? But Michael Jordan, Derek Jeter, rapper Travis Scott, and in the middle of all these superstars fawning over him is Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> oh, my God. What happened to my life? This dude's hanging out with Jeter and Michael Jordan and Travis Scott and whoever else was in that booth. He's larger than life. And, and I got it. And, and, you know, I, I'm thinking to myself last night, you know, I worked with Steve also. We did a show together in New York City. And I think my man would call me, hey, hey, Mike, you want to come to the national championship game? I'm hanging out with Mike Jordan and Derek Jeter and Travis Scott. I didn't no. get a call. I didn't get a call watching TV. There's my man Stephen A. hanging in that celebrity booth. I'm going, what has happened Nothing. to life? <laughs> All right. Let's move on. This is the curious case of the Saints' okey-doke play on Sunday. The Saints get in victory formation. Jameis Winston is the quarterback. Dennis Allen, the coach, calls for a victory kneel down to not score any more points. They were already crushing the Atlanta Falcons and Arthur Smith. Jameis goes rogue in the huddle and convinces everybody that it's a good idea to run a running play for a touchdown to get the running back a touchdown prior to the game's finish since they weren't going to be in the playoffs. <laughs> they score. Arthur Smith, after the game, says he starts yelling at Dennis Allen, saying, that's effing bull rap, blah, 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 blah. and he was right. That's the weakest thing that you could possibly do. Now, if you want to run a play, that's fine. But when you're in victory formation and the other team is quitting, you can't do that to a team. What made the people in that huddle think that was a good idea? Your thoughts, Darren? Well, first of all, it doesn't surprise me. Jameis Winston is a box of hammers, if you've ever seen him. Jameis, not Jameis. Jameis. <laughs> Some people say Jameis. Jameis? What? Jameis, Jameis. <laughs> I don't care. He's a box of hammers. That's number one. That in a high school level or a college level, you lose your job for something like that. 
uh, even a D1, you lose your jobs. That's embarrassing. Uh, and that's a, and that's more on the coach than anything else. At the pros, there'll be no ramifications for him once they get in the locker room. But that is such bush league. It's a terrible move. It's a bad look. And you better bet. Uh, you could bet Atlanta's going to remember that. They play that. They play the Saints twice a year. Every oh, who cares? Year. Who cares about that? I mean, that's that's the least of my concerns. Whether Atlanta's going to remember it. If you've got a better team in Atlanta, who cares if they remember? I'm just looking at you define your coach, which means you don't have respect for the coach. So if I'm the owner, I got they don't respect the guy at a point where they're going to do that to the head coach. I got to change it up. Jameis Winston, yeah, he's not going to be back with us, but I got to change up this coach. They don't respect the guy, and afterwards he throwed it through the team under the bus. By saying that uh, I called victory and they didn't do that, but you just admitted they don't have any respect for you. So forget about. It. Listen, if it I'm was a, a, co- if it was guy, a college really. team that you could get beat sixty-three to seven, that's one thing. Pro teams, they who cares that they remember it? All right, let's move on. Jimmy Kimmel and Aaron Rodgers, the big feud. Uh, I listen. I don't know how anybody can be a supporter of Aaron Rodgers. I, the guy has turned into uh, a turd. He really has. He's an arrogant, unlikable guy uh, who has just lost his mind, in my opinion. I got no time of day for him, which means I have no time of day for Pat McAfee, who enables the guy by having him on the show, paying him a million dollars to make an appearance on the Pat McAfee show every Tuesday. He's going to be on today. Well, he made a snide comment last week on the Pat McAfee show, uh, uh, Jimmy Kimmel has been uh, kind of criticizing him in his monologues over the last year for good reason with his stand on vaccinations and the whole thing. And so to fire back at Jimmy Kimmel, he alluded to the fact that the uh, the big list for the 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 per- pervert uh, who killed himself in jail. I don't even want to mention his name, but you know who I'm talking about. We're talking about Epstein. And uh he, he, he kind of alluded that maybe if that list comes out of all the perverts that were involved in the Epstein thing, that Jimmy Kimmel will be on it, which is a dangerous thing to say. So Kimmel has been going back and forth, or uh, uh, Kimmel did not say anything until his monologue last night. Uh, and, and, and what he said was, when you hear a guy who won a Super Bowl and did all the State Farm commercials say something like this, a lot of people believe it. A lot of delusional people honestly believe I'm meeting up with Tom Hanks and Oprah at Shakey's once a week to eat pizza and drink the blood of children. And I know this because I hear it from people. Let's hear what Jimmy Kimmel had to say live on his uh, monologue last night. Did you hear this story about me and Aaron Rodgers, the former quarterback for the Packers? All right. So uh, what happened is he's a Jets quarterback now. He went on a show on ESPN, the Pat McAfee show, and out of the blue insinuated that I was nervous because the Jeffrey Epstein list was coming out. He said, I was hoping it wouldn't and that he was going to pop a bottle of something to celebrate when he did. And then it did come out. And of course, my name wasn't on it and isn't on it and won't ever be on. I don't know Jeffrey Epstein. I've never met Jeffrey Epstein. I'm not on a list. I was not on a plane or an island or anything ever. And I suggested that if Aaron wanted to make false and very damaging statements like that, that we should do it in court. So he could share his proof with like a judge because, you know, when you hear a guy who won a Super Bowl and did the, all the State Farm commercials say something like this, a lot of people believe it. A lot of delusional people honestly believe I am meeting up with Tom Hanks and Oprah at Shakey's once a week to eat pizza and drink the blood of children. And I know this because I hear from these people often. My wife hears from them. My kids hear from them. My poor mailman hears from these people. 
And now we're hearing from lots more of them, thanks to Aaron Rodgers, who I guess believes one of two things. Either he actually believes my name was going to be on Epstein's list, which is insane, or the more likely scenario is he doesn't actually believe that. He just said it because he's mad at me for making fun of his top knot and his lies about being vaccinated. I get he's particularly upset, I think, because he made fun of the fact that he floated this wacko idea that the UFO sightings that were in the news in February were being reported to distract us from the Epstein list. That was Aaron's theory. All right. Uh, there you heard it. Now, uh, listen, I, 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 I'm not oblivious to this world and what sells. And uh, ESPN hired uh, Pat McAfee because he has a legion of younger fans that follow him on his podcast. And so ESPN's idea was to bring those fans over to get younger in their demo and refresh their demo. I get it, business decision. But uh, how they can allow Aaron Rodgers on that show to spew lies and harmful theories every week, I don't understand. I don't understand what what ESPN is thinking. They're selling their soul to the devil. Do they really believe that Aaron Rodgers means that much to the Pat McAfee show, that they have to have him on every week? And if they cut the cord on him, will McAfee go rogue on him? He's one of the guys that is bigger than the network right now. I don't know how these things happen, but he has gotten bigger than the network because he ripped the head of the network last week saying that guy was leaking bad material about him to undercut him. Now, what, where, in what world can you get away with that where you rip into your boss and, and are more powerful to the point where they don't do anything? They put out a, a statement <laughs> back at Pat McAfee. I, I swear to God, the world's upside down. I know we have to get used to it, but ESPN wants the bastion of integrity has now sold their soul to the likes of Pat McAfee and Aaron Rodgers. I'm, I'm living in an upside down world. I can't understand anyone not being tired of Aaron Rodgers right now. The selfishness, the arrogance over and over. He's making himself a story. He was the biggest story for the New York Jets, and he was never, ever, ever going to play this year. He, knows, he knew it. The team knew it. I, I'm sick of him. I'm so tired of him. I'm sick and tired of being sick well, and tired of him. Here's what it sets up for today. It sets up probably a record audience that are going to hear what he has to say back to Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, all right, uh, that'll do it for Mike Unleashed today. Uh, it's now time for the parting shot. The parting shot is, I'm going to give to Darren today because Darren just returned from uh, from four days at Disney World, which probably felt like 18 days, and got back last night bleary-eyed and worn out from walking <laughs> the grounds of Disney World. So, Darren, it is the year 2023. I haven't been to Disney World since my daughter was like uh, six years old. Uh, yeah. So that's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and I have no idea what Disney World is like right <laughs> now. I have no desire ever to go to Disney World for the rest of my life. Why would I? It's just not my thing. So uh, you, uh, as a young dad, uh, give me your Disney World experience and uh, what it meant to you. Uh, well, first of all, it was five days. Um, that did feel like about 10. By the, end, by the last day, when you've got daughters, which I do, 11 and 14, uh, my wife and daughters were shot. They were just worn out from all because it's a lot of walking, man. I mean, we did like 25,000, 30,000 steps a day, multiple parks. I will say this. First of all, it it is completely different than the Disney World that I went to when I was young. There's so many more parks. The rides are so much more wild uh, and fun. Um, But the one thing that I will I will say that watching the wonder and you can attest to this 
watching the joy and the wonderment in your children's eyes when they're experiencing the things at this at these, those parks it's ex, it's an expensive trip <laughs> don't get me wrong i mean we're talking a lot of money and we go to islands every year i don't spend half the amount to go to islands it was real but it was so worth it just to see that it's a lifetime memories for those kids for my kids anyway i wish that moment those moments when you see it in their eyes i wish those moments i know you probably had them when Kira was six. I wish those moments for every dad out there. Aw. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was so touching. You're such a cold uh, hearted. When, when, when you have a six-year-old, it means a lot more because, uh, yeah, uh, you know, you have the breakfast with Snow White yeah. and, and all those little things. But I have absolutely – I am not a rides guy. All right. Yeah. No, no desire to go on rides. They're not they're not fun to me at all. So Cheap Disney World is the last place I would ever go as an adult. All right. No, I, I get now my dog is even agreeing with that. My dog is, I, I my didn't dog go by myself in the background. Right? Disney World gives her the creeps too. But I didn't go by myself, you know. I took my children. I, mean, I get it. I have the an eleven year old. The food cost had oh, to be astronomical for you. A thousand right? in food, by the way, I spent <laughs> in five days on top of the bill. I swear to God, a thousand and seven dollars in oh, food. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> uh, all right, well, that will conclude today's podcast, the Mike Vizzelli podcast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. We'll have another one as we preview the big game at the end of the week: the Eagles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh my God! From where, from where this season started, where we thought it would go, to to this where they, they have to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to get to a game where they're going to get demolished. Just think about that transaction here with the Eagles season. All right, everybody have a great rest of the day. Stay dry because the rain is going to come. You can reach me uh, on email, mike at mikemiss.com. I've got a cameo to do today. You want to get a personal shout-out, just go to cameo.com, put my name in there, and I'll uh, give you a personal shout-out. Uh, I, I really like doing those. It's a way to stay in touch with the people. And uh, you can uh, check me out on Twitter, uh, Mike Miss uh, two five, where we always give you little tidbits during the week of what I'm thinking about and what's upcoming on the Mike Nelly podcast. So, Darren, I am Mike Missnelli. Thanks for listening, everybody. Spread it to your friends and neighbors, and we'll catch you uh, later this week. Take care, everybody. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missnelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.